Hi, this is Pastor Joel Webin with Right Response Ministries, and you're listening to another episode of Theology Applied. In this episode, I was privileged to have as a special guest, Constance Troutman from Truth and Fire podcast on the Bar Network. We talked about fake vaccine passports. We talked about Tucker Carlson. We talked about Nicki Minaj. And we talked about how to keep your courage as a Christian in this crazy world. Hope you enjoy. Applying God's word to every aspect of life. This is Theology Applied. All right, welcome to another episode of Theology Applied. And as I've already mentioned, I'm privileged to have as a special guest, Constance Troutman. Constance Troutman with uh, Truth and Fire. She's on the Bar podcast uh, with Dwayne Atkinson. Is that correct? Yes, yes, Dwayne yes. Atkinson. <laughs> and then you guys are probably familiar with the Just Thinking podcast, Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker. We've had them on the show before. So without further ado, Constance, thanks for joining us. And could you go ahead and just tell our listeners a little bit about you and your ministry? Of course. Thank you so much for having me, first of all. Um, yes, I am Constance Troutman. I'm a blogger and podcast host over at truthandfire.com. Um, I'm originally from Atlanta, Georgia, now reside in Washington, D.C., and I've been um, doing Truth and Fire for, excuse me, at least the last five, no, six years, six years, actually. I started the blog in 2016, just wanting to um, have a space to articulate my faith and just to kind of encourage new believers in living for Christ in a society that basically tells us that it's not cool or, um, you know, if they just, you know, want to misunderstand us or they uh, uh, want to quote unquote hate on us because of our faith. Um, it's definitely evolved since then, um, especially since I've grown in my own faith. But um, yeah, so just more so starting it as a safe space to articulate and share my faith. So yeah. A safe space. No, <laughs> no trigger warnings. No safe spaces. No, I, I hear you. That's I great. Why? Safe space now, as, as I began to grow in my, in my <laughs> understanding of scripture, it was no longer a safe space. Trust me. <laughs> right. right. Amen. Yeah. So I, you know, I first came, I told you right before we started recording, my wife actually turned me on to your podcast and she said, Hey, you should have Constance and she's a part of the bar. And so immediately there was credibility because I know, I know the just thinking guys. And, and so I was like, all right, she's probably good. And so I went ahead and listened, you know, I was like, all right, which I want to listen to at least one of her podcasts. And the one that I selected that I thought was fantastic was it was a repeat. I think you reposted it. You were saying, Hey, this was from last year. And anytime you can, you know, cause well, I mean, for one, right. And so in natural revelation, God is, you know, special revelation doesn't change. The Bible doesn't change. The word of God is eternal in natural revelation. Providentially, even natural revelation doesn't change. The sun rises. It's been doing it for a very long time. And so we see the glory of God uh, by what he has made. And the message of God doesn't change uh, in the scripture, certainly, but not even through natural revelation. However, providentially, there are things that come about that change our opinions, right? We come into more data. We come into more facts. There are new events and circumstances um, and so we changed in that regard. And then we're also changing because we're finite and fallen. And so we're coming, you know, reformed and always reforming, semper reformanda. And so we, we were, we're growing, we're being sanctified. Um, so that caveat being what it is, I still think there's a lot to be said when somebody's able, especially with, with a podcast to look back a year prior and say, yeah, I still believe all those things. And when it can stand the test of time and especially, you know, used to, it was like, Hey, I, you know, maybe my stuff will hold from 10 years ago. Uh, but right now it seems like the current events of our day are changing so quickly that it's just, 
it just feels like it's changing by the week. And so if you have something from a year ago, especially related to COVID, which is what you did, and it still rings true, color me impressed. So anyway, so I'm very honored to have you on the show. And so uh, without wasting any more time, let's just hop right into it. So here's the first question that I got for you. Is it necessary for Christians to get the vaccine in order to love their neighbor? Everybody's saying it's loving your neighbor, loving your neighbor, Constance. What do you think about that? I, I do not agree with that. I do not believe it's necessary for one to get the vaccine to love their neighbor. Um, without, I guess, judging someone's motives for getting motives for getting vaccinated, I can respect someone sincerely being convicted that, you know, based on what they were told from Dr. Fauci to CDC, I can respect someone with limited knowledge or maybe about mm, almost a year with well, September now. So, um, maybe we'll say the top of the year. I can understand someone making that decision to get vaccinated, believing that they were sincerely going to be protecting someone else. Um, but that, that logic that is necessary to get vaccinated, to love their neighbor, I, that doesn't really make a lot of sense to me because is it necessary for me to wear a coat to love my neighbor? I mean, right. if right. someone wants to warp the logic, the line of reason, then I guess they could say, well, yeah, well, you know, if I put on a coat, then I won't get cold and catch a cold and I won't then get sick and then I won't spread the germs to my neck. I mean, sure, we can do that. We can do some mind bending there. But the reality, though, is that these vaccines are leaky. They do not protect anyone, not even the individuals who receive the vaccine. (laughs) So um, I, I saw that I saw that argument come out very early on. I wasn't into it. I wasn't buying it because it still felt. Um, like a way for, you know, Satan to twist the truth in order to coerce or to, to bind someone's conscience, because we know that a lot of believers who are not choosing to be vaccinated are doing so for um, what they sincerely believe are reasons that would go against um, um, their convictions um, for God, whether it's dealing with how they're manufactured or how they're tested, um, how they're developed, whatever the case may be. Um, so I don't, I, I didn't see that line of reasoning really making a lot of sense, but the reality is that right now, all of the quote unquote experts have made it very clear that these vaccines don't protect anyone. People who are vaccinated can get infected. Right. People who are vaccinated can spread the infection. Um, and then at this point there, it's like they're, we know these things from the beginning, but then they come out and eventually have to catch up and go, oh yeah. And also the efficacy of the vaccines, you know, it's waning. And so, yeah, so I'm not, I'm not with that. I still, I've seen some churches that have that sentiment on their um, marquee boards outside of their churches. I guess it's what, what they're called. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Marquee. Yeah. I, I've seen that. And I just feel like that's such a, it's such a farce and it's such a perverted way of binding or attempting to bind someone's conscience. So I, I don't, I don't, agree I completely I agree. I, I think there's also problems. I completely agree with everything you said. And for me, it's like, all right, there's two lines of logic that we've heard, two narratives. And in both cases, it's, it's not, not only is it not loving your neighbor, it has nothing to do with your neighbor. So the first line of reasoning is like, let's say that, you know, the data still hasn't come out. And as far as we're concerned, it's the most efficacious vaccine and the history of all vaccines, you know, and the God of vaccines, you know what? And so if you go with that line of reasoning, the vaccine, it works, it's, it's invulnerable, it's invincible, it's impenetrable, all those kinds of things. Well, then by that logic, 
then again, all you're really doing by getting the vaccine is protecting yourself. And so long as it's been, it's not protecting your neighbor. Now you can say like, like what you said, that line of reasoning, you know, um, you can say, well, but if I have the vaccine, then I'm not going to get the virus. And if I don't get the virus, then I'm not going to spread it to others. But here's the big monkey wrench in the gears. Um, if, if you're saying that the vaccine is available to anyone who wants it, then it becomes incumbent upon each individual. So it's an every man for himself kind of thing. And not because we're being selfish, um, but because that's just the logic of the matter. So if you're concerned about the, the virus, then you go and get the vaccine. To, so this idea of getting a vaccine to protect someone else is just a, a completely foreign concept. We've never thought about vaccines. I've never thought, like, I'm going to get my kids, you know, the vaccine for polio so that my neighbor's kids don't wind up in a wheelchair. That's no, it's, it's my neighbor. If he wants his kids to be vaccinated from polio, right? So each person is getting, cause it's a defense. It's not, it's not giving a loaf of bread to somebody else and feeding exactly. them or nourishing them. Actually, it's a, right. So I'm going to protect you. It's a shield. Protect you, right. And it, exactly. It, so it, it ties back to the irony of it all is while they're calling those who, who I don't want to say refuse, but those who do not desire to be vaccinated, selfish, they themselves are practicing selfishness. And we know that ultimately this boils down. I, I never bothered someone for, for deciding to become vaccinated. I, I probably said a few things online that I probably should not have said um, out, of, out of just frustration because I began to see the rhetoric rise where they're you know blaming the unvaccinated for certain things. And I'm thinking, let's just be real. You only got vaccinated because you want to get on a plane. You want to travel. You want to go to the bar. You want to go wherever. So let's just be honest. And then, I mean, the reality is that there's a a real fear. Um, I think the episode that you were speaking about earlier came from a series called Are We Cowards? And in that series, I'm just talking about how the church is responding in the way that the lost would respond Um, when things came down the pike. And my, my thought is that at the end of the day, um, like you said, even if this was the God of all vaccines, at the end of the day, we are created by the God of all gods. And so I trust in his wisdom and how he designed our bodies. We're fallen, yes. And so there will be situations where the immune system is, is not going to be perfect, of course, um, especially for those who are older, who are immunocompromised. But I had no reason to rely on the vaccine for COVID. I mean, who knows, depending on what the what the disease is maybe it could change if it was like a flesh-eating virus that as soon as someone looked at you your face started to peel off then okay yeah give me give me the vaccine whatever but this isn't that at all and it was very clear from the very beginning that this this wasn't that and so but I was afraid I think they saw what happened in um China the way that they covered (laughs) they in my opinion they overreacted but we have to remember like consider consider the source China is a mostly um, there is, a, is, is there a, a communist society? Sorry, I have to turn my alarm off. Um, it's a communist society. They have, uh, they're mostly either atheists or Buddhists. They don't, they don't have Christ. And so of course they're going to react that way. And I think we saw those images and we began to liken COVID to a flesh eating virus. And then those in the world, in the world who have no hope just kind of, you know, responded in, in, you know, overreacted, I guess I should say. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And yeah, there's just a lot of fear, a lot of fear in society. And sadly, there's a lot of fear in churches, even now a year and a half later, right? The, the yeah. 500 days to slow the spread, but uh, <laughs> Hebrews two verses, 
14 through 15, Hebrews 2 verses 14 through 15 says this, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself being Christ, likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. And so my Bible tells me that that Jesus Christ, the second person of the eternal trinity, uh, he took on flesh in real history. Right. So, you know, the 1689 confession says that God is the most pure spirit without body parts and passion. Well, Jesus, the second member of the Trinity, is also like the father. He was a most pure spirit without body parts and passions until 2000 years ago when he took on flesh. He took on a body and he did so um, well, for, to fulfill prophecy, biblical prophecy, uh, multiple reasons. But chiefly, he did so so that in taking on flesh, he might actually give himself up for his flesh to be brutally uh, ripped and torn apart uh, to die on the cross for our sins. And so he took on flesh so that he could die and by virtue of his death, that he could conquer the one who has power over death, that is the devil, and free the human race from a lifelong slavery to to the fear of death. And so I keep thinking, you know, when, when you see, I mean, it's really, it's just the democratic party. It's the playbook that they've used for decades, but it's the boogeyman, right? So how do you cram through an incredibly progressive agenda, which, you know, when you have all these pesky individual rights and liberties in a constitution that keep getting in your way, well, ultimately what you have to do is you have to take away people's freedom, right? You have to make people slaves. Well, how do you make people slaves? How do you get them to trade in their freedom? Well, people will trade. We've seen this throughout history uh, and we're seeing it in the last 18 months. People will trade individual freedom for public safety. Now, now, but to get them to say, I want public safety so bad, I'll give away my individual rights. Uh, you have to have some kind of fear of death. You have to have a threat. You have to have the boogeyman. And so for that to work, my point is for that to work on the world, for that to work on the pagan, for the unbeliever, for the person who is, uh, who is lost in this world, who is without Christ makes perfect sense. But for that to work on the church, that's supposed to be, the church is supposed to be the blood-bought people of the Lord who, who have already been freed by Christ through his death from slavery to the fear of death. And so if you think of it like this, there, there are slaves in the world and the chains, the shackles that are holding them in bondage is fear of death. Well, for Christians, Christ by his death conquered the one who has power over death and freed us from the fear of death so that we could no longer be slaves. Amen. Um, and, and when you think of slavery, you know, it's like every time there's an edict from the White House, every time, you know, Dr. Fauci talks, of, you know, every time that CDC has a new report, it's constant submission, constant obedience, constant complying. It's, it's the kind of behavior you would expect to see from a slave. But again, the problem is, why do we see it in the church? These are supposed to be people who are not afraid of death. And a person who's not afraid of death, who doesn't seek to keep his life, but is willing to lose his life, you know, for my sake and for the gospel, so that he might actually find his life, that kind of person... A, a free man is is a brave man, right? Like the land of the free, home of the brave, right? We use America is certainly not the land of the free, and it's certainly not the home of the brave anymore. But but that should still be the, uh, an accurate description of the people of God that we are brave because, we're, or I should say, we're free because we're brave. And I think the reason why we see um, 
very little distinction in many cases between the world and the church right now when it comes to immediately handing over freedoms is because we see very little distinction between the world and the church in terms of bravery. So whenever you don't have courage, you're going to find bondage. And I think that I've seen almost an equal amount of complicity, submission, bondage, slavery in the church, which makes me think that the reason why is because the church that's supposed to be bold and brave uh, because we have promises of eternal life, but it seems as though the church is just as afraid of losing their temporal earthly existence, yeah. this life, yeah. um, as, as the pagan. So the yeah. pagan has at least been honest and said, YOLO, you only live once. <laughs> the church denies that, but they're acting like YOLO is, is the reigning mantra. They're acting yeah. like they only live once. They, would they, you agree with that? I would definitely agree with that. I think it stems from not truly trusting the Lord. When I, right before everything hit, I recall I was putting myself on this. Um, I like to study scriptures based on certain things I might be going through in the in the moment. That's not the only way I, I look at God's word. But if I'm if I need to be encouraged in a particular area, then I try to like get all these scriptures put together and then just study them and just kind of meditate on them. And one thing. I was looking at maybe at the end of February of 2020 was trusting God and not man. And it was just so funny. And so I began to post things on my Instagram. And then like right after that, everything hit with with COVID. And I immediately asked, they don't know what they're doing. I said, these experts have no idea what they're doing. And, and of course, 18 months later, it's, it's very clear they have no clue. Um, and so I believe it, it boils down to a lot of people not truly trusting God. They trust they're trusting in men and they're trying to put it under the guise of, oh, the Lord gave them wisdom. And so in order for us to honor the Lord, we must honor the, the wisdom that they, he has given them. But I'm like, the wisdom that he has given them should not cause us to um, dishonor the Lord or to distrust the Lord or to go against what the Lord has said. And I'm, I've seen a lot of that. There's definitely, there's fear, there's distrust. And I don't want to say that Everyone reacting this way is not necessarily trusting the gospel, but there should be a lot of self-examination going on that how do you trust in a gospel that tells you that you are called to suffer, that your very life can is, you know, could be at stake for proclaiming Christ. And if you would bend the knee to get, you know, a vaccine for the sake of keeping your job, I'm just saying, I mean, people may disagree with this, but my reasoning is if the Lord is telling me we're called to suffer. And we're called to, we might end up going without, even though we know the Lord will still provide for us in some way. Um, ultimately, if we are persecuted unto death for proclaiming who Christ is, then what does it, what sense does it make for me to bend the knee to get a mandated vaccine or whatever the edict is at the, at the moment in order to protect my livelihood as if the Lord can't provide for me? And so I think for me, ultimately, um, I'm, I'm so glad that I came into Reformed Theology because it gave me a better, um, it gave me the vocabulary to articulate my faith. But at the end of the day, I remain just this down home, Southern, God is God. And, you know, just just trusting God, is, it just gets to the, the basics of that. Um, and so that's why I was able, I guess you could say, from 2020, um, to say something that still remains true in 2021, because I'm not speaking or I wasn't speaking from my opinion um, in that episode. It was it was based on God's word. God said this. God said this. God said this. 
And the Lord is the same. You know, he never, he doesn't change. He's the same forever. Um, he's he's the same from, uh, uh, I'm saying it all backwards, but <laughs> um, past, present, and forever. And so I just, when you stand on God's word, you will never be put to shame. Um, and so I, I, I just learned, I just definitely realized I just need to clean. What does God's word say? And so that's how I've been coping during this, as I've been calling it a panini or a ponderosa, <laughs> the way that I've been coping with the COVID pandemic has been to just cling to God's word and just really trying to look at things spiritually. I have some friends who, who uh, laugh at me for that. Um, but I, I always look at things spiritually first and then move down to see how it's being worked out in the, in the natural and the practical. And it just, well, I, it didn't make sense from the beginning. It just, it never made sense to me from a biblical standpoint. I'm like, why would I fear this as if the Lord did not design my body to fight this? Why would I fear, you know? So yeah, I, I yeah, I right. totally agree with everything you said. Yeah, it's definitely. Well, a, yeah, so every, everything you're saying, I agree with. And you know, that, that doesn't mean that there aren't serious viruses and, you know, the bubonic right. plague, there are, there right. are periods in history, human history, and even church history where, um, there, there were some serious, serious uh, plagues, viruses, disease, famine, all these kinds of things that killed a lot. But here's the deal. So, you know, I was in a pastor's meeting recently with uh, a bunch of a bunch of different pastors in the community, and a couple of them are lay elders, and so they're bivocational. And, um, and they actually, uh, these two guys, they both own funeral homes. And I just, you know, out of curiosity, I wanted to talk to them, you know, and, and I said, uh, so did you get any extra business, you know, in 2020 and 2021? And they're like, nope. We, we were a little disappointed. You know, we thought business was going to be booming. And, uh, but our numbers were pretty much exactly the same as they've always been. And so my point is, um, I agree with you that, you know, behold, I am the Lord. I changeth not, you know, so that you, the sons of Jacob are not consumed. So God doesn't change. God's word doesn't change. Um, but there's another thing that doesn't change, uh, which is man. Um, and you know, now individual people can change by God's grace. That's what conversion is. You know, that's what repentance is. That's what sanctification is. But, but humanity in general, not only does the word of God, which is unchanging, eternal, tell us about the unchanging God that he, he in his essence and his character doesn't change. Um, uh, but it also gives us, it doesn't just give us the Bible providing theology, uh, but it provides anthropology and, and people actually don't really change. And so I remember when things were coming out, you know, all the way back in March of 20. 20, same thing for me. It, it wasn't merely just, I, I trust God because all that is, is wonderful and true. Um, but it was also this sense of, all right, even in the midst of trusting God, God who is sovereign could send a plague that wipes a bunch of people out. Um, but, but here's the other thing. God doesn't change, but also man doesn't change. Like Jesus, there's a moment in the, in the gospel narratives where he says he did not entrust himself. They wanted to take him by force and make him king. Uh, it says, but he did not give himself to them for he knew what was in man. Um, and Jesus had good, he didn't just have good theology. He knew his father um, and who the father was, but, but he had good anthropology. And so for me, even before the data came out, I remember thinking, all right, I know who God is, uh, but the God who is omnibenevolent and omnipotent, so he's all powerful and all loving, even while, while upholding his, his omnipotence, his power over everything and his love towards his people, he could still send a plague that's incredibly dangerous. But but that's in the theology compartment. But in the anthropology compartment, it's 2020. It's an election year. Uh, bad man, orange man. Um, it, there's there's a lot. You know what I mean? There are a lot of of reasons that that doesn't guarantee anything. But but I I knew from the beginning. I was like, 
man, th- there could be some motives here, right? I mean, Trump is like, we hate his Twitter feed. We hate his rhetoric. We hate this. We hate that. But gosh, you know, we, we are making a little bit more money than we made four years earlier with Obama. We like his economy. Well, what if there was a way that you could shut down the economy? The, 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 the horse that Trump is riding up to the election on, uh, his, his best, his, his best triumph you could take right out from underneath his legs just six months before the election. What if you could shut down the economy? Well, how do you get the American people to agree to shutting out the, the, the economy? I mean, that's too up. Well, but what if there was a terrible, horrible virus, you know, like, and here's the thing, you know, I mean, my, my wife is an RN. She works very part-time, but she's an RN. My brother-in-law, he is also an RN. Um, and, and hospitals, you know, there, there have been moments, there have been you know, spikes and dips and spikes and dips. Part of the reason hospitals have been overwhelmed is is not just because there's so many people hospitalized. It's still, the data is 1% of the people who get COVID actually are hospitalized. Um, But part of the problem with them being overwhelmed is because there's a shortage of hospital workers. Uh, Why? Well, because a lot of them um, had to be forcibly resigned because they weren't willing to get the vaccine. So, so COVID is not, is not the only problem. So I say all that just to say that, you know, you know, there's a serious virus when there's somebody walking down your street in your neighborhood, ringing a bell saying, bring out your dead, right? right? Bring out your right. dead. Like, where right. are the bodies? Right. Where, right. you know, where, right. where are the bodies? And so, and, and then even with, you know, Charles Spurgeon and Martin Luther, you know, I remember everybody was quoting those guys and, you know, cause they had quotes because they had serious things in their day, I think it was colic, um, some kind of lung disease in, in the days of Spurgeon. And then there was a, a, a plague with, you know, Martin Luther. And both of them said something to the tune of, you know, I'm not going to go anywhere where my absence is needed, lest, you know, um, w- without meaning to, I, I hurt my neighbor, you know, by giving him, you know, uh, causing him to become ill. And, and I think the, the two big things people are quote, well, see, Luther said, Spurgeon said, but the two big factors that, that made what they said right and us using it and applying it wrong, in my opinion, was two big factors. Number one, um, they weren't using that rhetoric to talk about um, uh, not gathering together on the Lord's Day. Uh huh. That's actually what that got me. The word, church. The word gathering. I was I was at work and the school I was working at at the time. I overheard them say that they had a conference coming up and. I wasn't paying much attention to what was going on at the time, but I overheard some of the administrators say they're limiting gatherings of uh, to a thousand, anything more than that. And I was like, gatherings, it, it just clicked. I don't know why, but it did. But I was like, they're li- they're, people can't gather. And I said, like, oh, they're going to come after the church. And I just knew I was like, they're going to come. And of course they did. And, and I was actually very shocked at how quickly churches were shutting down the weekend before everything was due to start with the with this two weeks to slow the spread as long as um but that was that was my that was my like main clue right there i was like oh this isn't again i'm looking at things spiritually and then i bring it down to the to the practical aspect of it and i did see how yeah there this is definitely there's an agenda or at least this is being used um i never thought that covid was was fake i thought i I recognize that the reaction, the way that they wanted to um, deal with it was very much um, just just very nefarious, in my in my opinion. And just having everything shut down. And, oh, well, all the sports teams can't play as well. And, da, 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 da. and I'm like, no, I hear that. But I don't think Satan cares that his kids can't play as long as the church can't play, you know, um, only to turn around and have, you know, uh, marijuana dispensaries and um, liquor stores and, you know, Walmart. <laughs> Where, and I, you know, so I was like, oh, this is just something that's, you know, but it was definitely an opportunity to see 
where people stood and, and, and a lot of hearts are being tested right now, even, even now, still a year later, a year and a half later, hearts are being tested. And I just pray that people will take a moment to examine themselves and really look at how they've responded to COVID and filter that through God's word and see, have you, have you truly been trusting what God's word says? Um, have you truly been loving your sister and brother in Christ? Have you truly been, and this goes for me as well. Um, but it's just, it's just been an interesting, <laughs> Interesting time. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, let's talk about that for a second. So just real quick before we move on, the love your neighbor thing, because that gets, just gets so much press in the church, you know, with all things COVID. Love your neighbor, love your neighbor. Well, I, I think part of the problem is that, you know, because we're not saying, oh, well, we don't need to love our neighbor. We're saying, you know, it's it, people are pitting, right? So love, loving God, loving neighbor. And, and I think some people, they, they're creating in their minds a false dichotomy, right? That you have one set of Christians that, you know, they, they want to be really careful. They want to avoid gatherings, you know, or they want to wear a mask or they want to get the vaccine to love their neighbor. And then you've got the crazy spiritual people, you know, like Joel and Constance, and they want to love God, you know, um, well, I'm not buying that. I, I don't think that there's anything. I, I don't think I know there's never a single time uh, that God would ever, ever call us to love him at the expense of neighbor. So these two things are not pitted against one another. This is the, the greatest commandment and the second greatest commandment, right? So the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the second one, so it's not like, well, you know, the second love your neighbor as yourself. It's not, well, the, you know, it's more important to love God than love people. That's true. That's theologically true. And, and if we're not careful, I think we can buy into this trap. It's a trap. And you know, where people, you know, we say, well, if I have to choose between loving God and loving my neighbor, I'm going to love God because that's the greatest commandment and loving my neighbor is the second. No, these two things, God who is sovereign over all things will never providentially allow for any set of circumstances where his people will be called to love him in such a way that hates their neighbor. That is, that is a non-existent scenario. It does not exist. And so the question is, so, so the real, the real kind of argument is not that we're loving God and this other group of people are loving neighbor. No, we are claiming to love neighbor and they're claiming to love neighbor. So then the rub, the actual rub is what does it look like to love your neighbor? Who gets to define love for neighbor? And I would say God does. God defines it. And, and I would say that, you know, the two greatest commandments, and this is why we need the law of God. This is why we need the Old Testament. Uh, we love the gospel, but we also love the law. We need law and gospel. You know, Martin Luther used to say you can err in preaching by preaching the gospel, but not preaching the law. That, and I think that's how a lot of the churches air today. Antinomianism. There's grace, 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 but there's, there's no holiness. There's no law. There's no obedience. All this is chalked up to legalism. It's, it's only legalism when you say do this in order to earn salvation. But when you say do this out of gratitude for the free gift of grace you have through faith in Jesus Christ, that's not legalism. That's just the Bible. So, so we need the law of God. The first four commandments in the 10 commandments, the Decalogue is shows us how to love God. So loving God is not a blank canvas for our creative license and freedom. Uh, we love God by having no other gods before him, by not having graven images images and idols by not taking his name in vain. So we love him with sincerity and by remembering the Sabbath day and keeping it holy and not neglecting the gathering on the Lord's day. Um, and, and then with love for neighbor, we have the next table of the law, which is commandment five through 10. And one of those commandments, I, I, I think you could talk about COVID in relation to each of them, but one that really stands out to me is thou shall not bear false witness. Meaning that if I'm bearing false witness and if I am promulgating a lie, 
even if I'm not outright saying a falsehood, if I am giving off an impression that is deceitful by nature, that denies the facts, that denies the truth, uh, that perpetuates a, 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 an illusion in people's mind that is that is something other than reality, then then I am in some sense bearing false witness and therefore hating my neighbor. And so uh, one of the reasons why why I didn't get the vaccine is for me, my family, my wife, me and our three daughters, we had COVID. And all the data suggests that it's anywhere from six to 13 times more durable than natural right. immunity from, from the virus than, yeah. than the vaccine, where you're going to have to, here in a second, we're going to find out from Fauci that you're going to have to get a booster shot every 17 minutes. You know, like, I mean, it keeps, <laughs> it went from eight months to six to five. So, so yeah. my immunity, I am actually much more safer. Yeah. for my neighbors yeah. than, than anybody with a vaccine. And, right. and so for me going to get the vaccine or for me walking around wearing a mask all the time, the mask is like, why is everyone so afraid? Well, because you walk out of your house and, and it's like you're in a post-apocalyptic world. Yeah. It yeah. looks scary. And so yeah. I think like there are so many things where, because the mask says something. Yeah. You know, one group is saying, yeah. it says, I love yeah. my neighbor. Well, I say that the mask, the mask gives off an illusion that the virus is much worse than it actually is, right. which is yeah. a form of bearing false witness, which is yeah. to hate my neighbor. Yeah. So, so at the end of the day, it's not one group wants to love their neighbor and one group wants to love God. No, we want to love God by loving our neighbor and we want to let God define how to love our neighbor. And we think that this isn't it. Mm -hmm. uh, would you agree with that? And there's anything you want to I, add to that? I would totally agree with that. I think from the beginning, before vaccines were even a thing, just the idea of the mask, I realized that the optics were necessary to uh, that psychological warfare that was being played or that was being waged. It you needed that optic of having the mask uh, I, before before last year. I'd only seen people maybe in China wear face masks and I know they've had like little outbreaks of different things over there so that's but again that's over there I, I can't I can't speak to that but it was just weird for it to be in America of all places like um like seriously I honestly thought we would respond to this thing a lot differently um so it's like I thought that I thought America would, would respond differently and I definitely thought the church would respond differently so when you go to church and you're being told that you have to wear a mask at, at worship service it just looks and you're in and, and people are singing with their mask on you're raising your hand you're saying all these things that run totally like counter to what it is you're displaying and i hate that i hate that so much i hate that feeling so much um so anytime you know a church decides that they want to have outdoor service i'm all about it because because of like you know i would prefer that we exercise a lot more faith and just worship inside of the building that we have and you know but if this is what helps everyone feel comfortable, great. But I just, this, this whole thing has been, it's been very, it's been a test of patience for, for sure. And then just also in the, just speaking of what you said about um, bearing false witness, I was just talk, telling a friend the other day that, and, and speaking to your point about natural immunity, the whole idea, and, and the world may not recognize this, but spiritually I can discern that this is a way to undermine the wisdom and, the, and just the way that the Lord created us. And to say, I think I heard something today with Fauci said, they were asking him about natural immunity. He goes, well, you know, there is some um, evidence to suggest that there is some level of protection, but, you know, the durability is still in question. I'm like, it's 18 months later, dear. How, why is it still in question? Like, are you guys not, you, you've studied everything else, but natural immunity, you're like, well, we don't know. The data's still out, you know? And it's a way, and they may not be cognizant of it, but I can see spiritually how this is a way to mock the Lord's creation to mock the wisdom 
um, of the Lord designing our bodies the way that he did. I can totally see that. And and it's just hard to have this conversation with different people because, you know, you get accused of being uh, super spiritual. But my response is ultimately that, you know, we're supposed to be walking in the spirit. So I don't understand, you know, why it's a problem. But they, they, they're they pushing this vaccine as the, as the holy grail. Like, and with everything that has been revealed and how, you know, they're following the science. <laughs> and the science is just in their science. Because I, I, I believe in science because it's just the study of God's creation. It's the study of creation, but when they pervert it, I don't believe in perverted science. I'm not going to follow perverted science. Um, I, I've had COVID as well, and I definitely um, agree with this, especially my, my symptoms weren't horrible. You know, I can't, I don't want to undermine someone else's experience with it, but just knowing what I know from my own experience, my mom, I think she was the first person who I knew personally who got it. She's a nurse. And she got it pretty early on. Of course, she was, you know, working in that in that field. And with her being, I think she was 60 at the time. And she's, you know, closer to that age range where it was like, oh, you know, and she's like, oh, just eat a salad, drink some water. <laughs> you know, she she really was just like, oh, just take some vitamin C, go make sure you go for a walk. You know, her whole demeanor was just very lax and laid back. And, you know, she's like, oh, just make sure you take care of yourself and you're good to go. But I mean, again, it's just, I don't want to negate someone else's experience but i'm just saying for for the majority and the data continues to suggest that for the majority this thing is like a you know the flu or a bad cold um you know you take care of yourself and you're good to go but for some reason the vaccines and another thing i'm finding interesting about the push of the vaccines even as they speak about the efficacy of the vaccines and say oh well it's good for reducing symptoms were we not on lockdown because most people were asymptomatic or had very mild symptoms and so that's the reason why the world shut down because you couldn't really control it and know who had it. I was like, so the vaccines really aren't doing more than what was already going on. But if this is what makes people feel comfortable, then okay. If you you know if you if you believe the lie, then okay. Um, but yeah, I definitely see this this. I see the bearing false witness. I see the, uh, the people who are showing that they don't truly trust the Lord. Um, and again, I want to be careful with that because I don't want that to mean that they. Um, are not believers, because I know there's, you know, in scripture when it's, you know, they say, you know, I believe the Lord helped my unbelief. So I get that sometimes you can have those moments, but 18 months, people, come on now, let's, <laughs> let's, let, I don't know, let's get it together. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I have, having, having a contradicting view to yours and mine on the issues of COVID and issues of lockdowns and issues of all that does not necessitate that somebody's not a Christian. We're not saying that. Um, however, I think as time goes on, um, you do, you know, it, it, it just, it, it depends, you know, if somebody's saying, I, I'm not going to gather with the church and it, it's, you know, another 18 months go by and this person is 30 years old and perfectly healthy. And then, then eventually, you know, I, you, you do have to, you know, like you tell, so man looks at the outward appearance, God sees the heart. However, there is a sense, you know, people say we can't judge, you know, um, well, that's not true. You know, John, you know, the gospel of John, uh, chapter seven, you know, that we, we, you know, we, we need to judge with right judgment. So, you know, the same judgment that you judge others, you're going to be judged. And then the very next verse, the first five verses, Jesus talks about, you know, judging and, and gives us warnings about issuing judgments. But then the very next verse, verse six, uh, he says, do not give what is holy to pigs, you know, swine and don't cast, um, you know, or pearls to swigs and, and, uh, pigs and do not give what is holy to dogs. 
Uh, well, how do you know who a pig is? You make a judgment, right? So that, so there is a sense in which we can see the heart of man. God alone sees the heart perfectly. Uh, but that doesn't mean we can't see the heart at all because uh, the Bible says out of the abundance of the mouth uh, or out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So in someone's in someone's speech, we get a glimpse of the heart. Jesus also says, you know, you'll know them by their fruits, you know, so both in words and in deeds, there is a sense in which we're able to make a judgment. I mean, and that's ultimately the, the, the idea of the church excommunicating someone. So what the whole doctrine, the whole uh, existence of, you know, like, First uh, Corinthians chapter five, expel the immoral brother. How, how do you do that? Uh, how do you expel him if, if you can't actually make a judgment? And, and so what we're seeing is that, you know, that, the deeds of a person and the words of a person at some level do reveal the heart. And now that said, everything we say is, is a revelation of the heart. Um, but if somebody, you know, has an outburst in a moment, um, you know, we, we can't say, we can't say, well, that doesn't reveal anything. No, it reveals every, we're going to be held accountable for every word. So even that flying off the handle in one moment still says something about your heart and who you are as a person. But there's a difference in, in someone getting into a quarrel versus being quarrelsome, right? Being marked by it. It's, it's like this common characteristic. It's an ongoing pattern. And so I think as time continues to go by, um, and as we're able to detect clear, unwavering patterns, then eventually, eventually, I, th- I think that we can make those judgments. And for myself as a local pastor, if I had someone in my church who was young and healthy, and me and the elders uh, pastorally had been saying, Hey, I, I know that you're being lied to, but this is the data. And this more importantly is God's word. And this is what it says. Um, after 18 months, I don't have anybody like that in my church because people like that don't come to my church. They, they know better. <laughs> they listen to me online and they stay away. But if I had somebody like that in my church, if 18 months went by and I was providing for them, both the word of God and the special revelation and natural revelation, the data surrounding the virus. And this person is, is healthy. And this person is young and they've missed 18 months of church and they're still not going to come, I would excommunicate them. Yeah. I would. At this point, I would excommunicate them. I, now, I would not do it personally because I don't, I don't believe that's what I would call on the church, right? Tell it to the church. Our church I would, would excommunicate them, uh, treating them as a tax collector or a Gentile, meaning maybe they are converted and maybe God uses this measure of discipline to, to bring about repentance, to bring them back. But in, in terms of our interaction with them, we are no longer going to call this person a brother in Christ. I would do that. And so, but my point is, so, so we're not saying that anybody who disagrees is not a Christian. However, I just want to give that caveat. We're also not saying um, that this in in no way uh, reveals something about a person's faith because it does. Yeah, it does. This this season is very much a time of just, I don't want to say sifting, but hearts are very much being tested. And I think as much as we, I'm taking a social media break at this point, but um, because I had to examine my own heart, (laughs) But just looking at how many are responding to this pandemic, how they're responding, what they're doing in response to everything, it's it's telling us a lot about ourselves. And as much as we fight online about who's right, who's wrong, we really should be taking some time to examine ourselves. Like, why do I, you know, feel like I need to use hand sanitizer every five seconds? Why do, you know... Why did I need to buy up all the toilet paper? Why am I, <laughs> why am I missing church gathering with the saints, but I'm protesting at a BLM, you know, protest, like, right. like seriously, those kinds of things. And, and, and I've seen that happen, especially last summer where people were not coming to church because they wanted to love their neighbor and protect, 
you know, the elderly or what, whatnot, and then would still go to a protest with a cause. Okay. Yes, I agree from a, from a, a factual, as a factual statement, black lives do matter because all lives matter. That's just what it is. But when you have a, when you have a movement that is pretty much all inclusive, and you're out there as a believer, you know, and, and, and BLM is also supporting or is actually based, based in promoting, you know, the LGBT agenda and, and breakdown of the nuclear family and um, feminism. And you see all of this happening, but you're like, but I hate racism though. So I'm justified in going out there. So it's like, no, you don't need the world's help or you don't need to join the world to fight for what's good. Just do what the church has been doing for centuries you know so and gather and gather we protest by by way that's right we protest by going to church you know so that's That's right yeah every i amen i always say like you know when we gather together on the lord's day when the saints gather together on the lord's day for the the administering of the ordinary means of grace the public preaching the word public praying of the word public singing of the word and public seeing of the word as it were in the sacrament of the lord's supper and baptism it's the only images we we walk not by sight but by faith um however the lord has prescribed to us two images in the lord's supper and in baptism and when we gather together as the saints on the lord's day for the ministering of these ordinary means of grace it is kind of a threefold thing one um, it is first and foremost, it is, um, our, our act of worship to, to God. It's a, a sweet smelling perfume. It's a fragrance that ascends to heaven where God is enthroned and, uh, and blesses his heart. Uh, secondly though, it's also for the sheep. So it's for the Lord. It's also for the sheep. It's, uh, it's, you know, the Puritans used to say the Lord's day gathering is the marketplace for the soul. Or, you know, some of the Puritans said that it's likened to, uh, John Bunyan's, you know, Pilgrim's Progress, the delectable mountains where, uh, the sheep, the, the weary pilgrims are fed by these shepherds. And it's the only place in, in Christian, you know, and hopeful and faithful, their journey to the celestial city. It's the only place where even though they haven't yet made it to the celestial city, they can make out the celestial city from, from a distance. They can see it. They get a glimpse. And, and every Lord's day, there's a sense in which our worship ascends to heaven, but there's also a sense in which uh, we are nourished and fed and we are ascend to heaven in a, in a spiritual sense. We're seated with him in heavenly places and we get a glimpse, a reminder of the things to come, the, hev- the heavenly celestial city that we're going to. But the third aspect, so for the Lord, for the sheep, uh, but it's also, it's also for the pagan um, because worship is warfare. And when we worship, our worship goes up, it ascends by the power of the spirit uh, to bless the father's heart. But the father in his grace and mercy is pleased to condescend and to accomplish on earth his will in heaven. And he uses, he goes out from our worship. He goes out. Every church is like, like a little beachhead, like a, like a little military base in the Lord. He is pleased to condescend and to go out from us. And so it is a protest against principalities, against powers of darkness. Our, 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 our battle's not against flesh and blood. It's ultimately not against people, but it's against a spiritual enemy. And the Lord uses our worship to begin to topple idols and regional principalities and powers of darkness and in all of that, um, it does affect people because even though our battle, I always say that our battle is not against flesh and blood, it's against Satan. Um, however, Paul, when he writes to Timothy, he says um, that, that we should be careful to rebuke our opponents with gentleness, not knowing if God might grant them repentance, um, 
even after they have been taken captive by Satan to do his will. So our battle is not against people, flesh and blood, it's against Satan. However, Satan, the one that we're battling against, he takes people captive in his ranks. He uses people in his army. And so that doesn't mean we pick up a literal sword and we're, you know, slaying people. But what it does mean is that we have a spiritual sword. We're doing battle in the heavenlies. God is going before us. The Lord is our, our great warrior and, and our worship is his warfare. And as he is having an effect in the spiritual realm with principalities, there is an effect on earth because God is not a Gnostic and he actually does care about flesh and blood. He does care about this material world that he made. And so anyways, our, our worship, our gathering is a protest. You're absolutely right. It's threefold. It's, it's a blessing to the Lord himself. It's nourishment and encouragement to the sheep. And it is warfare against the principalities of darkness. And it changes things even among the pagans. And so, so to say that we can protest for Black Lives Matter, or we can protest for George Floyd, um, but we can't protest the real enemy in this world, which is not systematic racism in America, but the real enemy, the principality of this world, um, Satan, that we can't protest him. Um, the, the, the father of lies, the, the one who from the beginning was a murderer, um, is, is ultimately to say that we, we can only protest pretend evil, but we can't protest real evil. I it's it. again, it. it's bearing false witness. It's bearing yeah. false witness. It's so, good. okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, so here's the next question. We, we gotta we gotta move on. I appreciate that. I I need you. You gotta come on a Sunday because I could when I'm preaching I could use that. I could use your clapping. So I got I got a bunch of white people in my church and it's it's just it's quiet. It's very quiet. So they love my preaching too. They just they affirm my preaching by doing this. Mm. You know. So anyway, maybe taking some notes, writing. Okay, so so here we go. So liberals say that the black community is hesitant to get the vaccine. And I know you don't speak for all black people, but I want to get your opinion. Liberals okay. say that the black community is hesitant to get the vaccine because of historic abuses of white political leaders and white medical professionals against black people. I think of eugenics, you know, I mean, some of that, there is something to be said there. Um, so do you, Constance, do you think that that's a real reason? Uh, why, why do you think that some people, you know, it's, it's like Trump supporters and, the black community both tend to have this hesitancy about the vaccine. So, you know, and then there's the famous saying from Nicki Minaj and she was picked up by, you know, uh, Carl, uh, uh, Tucker Carlson. And so there's that whole thing. I, I would just want to hear your, your theological, political, cultural commentary on Nicki Minaj, the black community, the vaccine, Tucker Carlson, the whole nine yards. What, what do you think? So as, as far as, um, I, I, I actually can, I would say I somewhat agree with that sentiment, um, unfortunately. And I mean, what else do they expect people to do after five years, at least five years of being told repeatedly that you are uh, systemically oppressed um, because, because of the color of your skin, um, at, at least since tw 2014? I, when was the, the situation with, um, with uh, uh, in Ferguson? Yeah, Michael Brown and then so Trayvon, Martin, yeah. and Trayvon Martin, at least since 2013, 2014, we have been told right. over and over and over again that they are after us. They are against us. And there is this thing now where they're talking about um, healthcare racism. And um, the CDC director, uh, Rochelle Walensky, actually, um, she 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 supports that narrative, which is very unfortunate. Um, and so there is that element. But if I'm honest, I don't think that that is the whole shebang for why there are black people um, 
um, hesitant to take, or a, a large number of Black people hesitant to take the vaccine. Um, you mentioned something about Trump supporters and or conservatives, and then Black is like, how, how do these things two work? How do these work out? The irony of it all is that most people don't realize that the African American African American community has been largely is largely conservative. Like it's mostly conservative, and it has a lot of church. Like a lot of people were raised in the church. At least black Black Americans, I'll put it that way, um, were raised in the church. You know, you're coming from the South. You're coming from um, even though the Bible was weaponized against slaves and things like that. There's that the reality that a lot of our ancestors were raised with some knowledge of the Bible. Um, and so it's just been passed down on and on and on. And I have heard black people, I've heard other races as well, but I've definitely heard black people who you, who probably have not even walked inside of a church in like the last decade go, you know what? I don't know. Like this looks a little crazy. Like the whole world is shut down and you're telling me that the only way I can have a job and do, do is to take this thing. That's the mark of the beast. And I'm like, okay, well, like, <laughs> you know, but there's, a lot of white people think that <laughs> there is a, yeah, there is, there is some level of awareness of, of something's not right. So I do think that there's an element where people may look at it as uh, systemic oppression, but it's a little, un- it's unfortunate because you have that situation where even if they think that way, the reality is systemic oppression happens when you are forcing individuals to take a vaccine, uh, you know, in order to participate in the global economy. If they don't do it, they're shut out of society. And it just so happens that a large, at least 60% of the African-American community fall into that, that particular category. So I haven't seen many, I haven't seen many Black people, especially the Black Lives Matter group, among the Black Lives Matter group. I have not seen a lot of people who were very much in the streets last year talking about systemic oppression and and, and uh, uh, police brutality and all that. And I've not seen anyone say, wait a minute now, you're telling me that if I don't get this vaccine, I can't do this. And a large population of my people or my community fall into this category. That is systemic oppression. It may not be, ba- well, the reality is it's not based on race, but who, who you know, at, at this point, the, the logic that they were using last year who cares what it's truly based on? Because CRT says everything is racist. <laughs> right. So I'm, I'm surprised that they not use this thing. That's very, it's a glaring, truthfully, a, an issue that's very clearly systemic oppression. They're not calling this out at all. And I think someone called out, oh gosh, what is the guy's name? He, he, he pushed, he peddles um, critical race theory. I forget his name. And they asked him, did he think. Jamar Tisby? No, it wasn't Jamar. I don't think it was Jamar Tisby. Oh, Oh, gosh, what is this guy's name? I should have looked it up. That's all right. That's all right. Um, But he basically, they asked him, do you think that the vaccine mandates is, you know, uh, another form of racism? He goes, well, actually, I mean, he didn't know how to answer it. He Because if he he goes, if he says it is, then now he becomes an anti-vaxxer. And then now he, you know, so it's like the ideologies are starting to, they're being pit against one another. It's it's like. It's you're absolutely right. It's almost like transgenderism and uh, feminism, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's like so like L- LGBT. It's like that 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 T is really messing things up for the L, the G, and the B, right? Because the L, the L, the G, and the B were having a great time, and then all of a sudden the the T came along and and really made things weird. And yeah. so, but you're right. It's like it's this it's this contradiction that you know how how are you a lesbian um, if if there's no such thing as women, right? Right? You know how how are you bi? 
if right. uh, if there's you know more than two genders or no yeah. no such thing as gender and it's just a right. binary construct and all that you know and 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 how can you be a feminist you know if you know I mean feminist it's funny like some people who and you know because things have been changing so rapidly this this you know sexual revolution is just this train has been going down the track at, at just incredible speeds to the point where just just five years ago three years ago two years ago not not that long at all you know people who were lgbt you know and they you know advocates and and raging feminists you know are all of a sudden and, and professional athletes female athletes are all of a sudden really upset right all of a sudden like oh whoa i didn't want it to go there because yeah. now all of a sudden you know teenage girls are losing their trophies because a bunch of guys are you know you know putting on makeup and a track suit and and beating them you know and so Anyway, so I, I completely agree. It's just like that that's the it's the inconsistency, the illogical nature of of man's law versus God's law of secularism. Secularism is pagan. And and what we have to realize is neutrality is a myth. There is no neutrality. It's it's either you are for Christ or you are against him. And it's either Christ, ultimately any other worldview. So whether it be, you know, Islam on the one side. So let's say Christianity is right here. You could have Islam on the other side, uh, on one side. And then on the other side, you have secularism, uh, but both have an agenda. Um, and neither one is morally neutral. And at the end of the day, it's either Christ or chaos. It's Christ or chaos. And so we're seeing chaos right now and you're absolutely right it's it's like okay well th this is something that you would tend to think that the liberal media would be eating up like every chance they get to see, you know because i mean how long ago was it like like literally i think less than a month ago right that all of a sudden you know th these laws for you know voter registration are are yeah. systematically racist and yeah. oppressive because you got to have a you know a driver's license and as you know constance no black person knows how to get a driver's license how insulting is that right and so you know, so that's, that's what we're being told. And now, but, but that's, that's the vote. You got to have a driver's license. Now we're being said way more than a driver's license. You got to have this vaccine card and inject something in your arm just to have a, a job and feed your family. Right. And, and, and that one, we actually do have stats, statistics that it is disproportionately affecting. Right. Right. People you of color. Evidence. Yeah. Like going back to so, Bishop, like I need some evidence. But we can't like, talk about it. Yeah. Exactly. But, but, but we can't talk about it. So it's so much hypocrisy. And that just goes back to what you were saying about with Nicki Minaj, um, that whole situation. Uh, the day all that came out, that's the day I decided to take a break from. <laughs> Things were crazy. It was actually really funny. I have to say this, though. I, I do not support Nicki Minaj. I'm not a fan of hers or anything like that. I actually did a blog post on her about three or four years ago because she partnered with a um, it was more so about the quote unquote gospel artist who partnered with Nicki Minaj to do the song. Um, the, the, the artists, their, their theology is very much questionable. Um, I, I'm on, I honestly don't think that they truly believe the gospel. I just got to put that out there, but I wrote, so, so I, I'm not a Barb or whatever her group was called. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a Nicki Minaj fan, but I am a reasonable human, human being. And, you know, she made some valid points, um, concerning, needing to research the vaccine more. I, I did not appreciate how people on Twitter were telling her, well, you're rich. Um, what other questions do you have? You, you have doctors and other experts at your disposal to get the answers. Why are you? I'm like, give the lady time to do whatever research she needs to do. She just had a child. Um, she has other things going on with, you know, between she and her husband and she's a, you know, global superstar. She may not have had the time to really look into this the way others have. So um, so I just thought it was weird, but her, the thing, I've, I actually agree with her the, the, throughout the whole thing. I think just the conversation she was having with her fans 
she tends to be more transparent and, and, and more um, approachable, I guess you could say, with her with her fan base. And so I appreciated the conversation she was having with them. And you would think that the liberal side of things would would have acknowledged how she was telling people, hey, if you need to feed your family and, you know, they t- tell you you need the vaccine to do that, then get the vaccine. She was saying that. Um, but they didn't care. Um, they, the fact that she said that she wanted to do it on her terms triggered a lot of people. And then of course they found the one thing to make her look silly, which was the, you know, <laughs> the, the anecdote the about swollen, friend. Yeah. yeah, that whole yeah. thing. Um, the but swollen was, tea. yeah, even with that, I wasn't really, it was hilarious. But even with that, I wasn't offended by it because we all do that. Like, oh, no, I heard at least I, at least I do. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But when we're trying to figure things out, you know, I heard this happen. So I, I need to look at this a little bit more. So I don't see I didn't see the harm. And I mean, I would I don't think it was wise for her to put her cousin's friend's information out there. Right. But I think she was probably just in the moment and just having this conversation with her fans and just kind of that's that's how I saw it, I should say. I don't know what her actual intentions were but um they came and she's a liar she's spreading disinformation i'm like or she's just figuring it out and um she just wasn't given the the room to do that and then um they they shut her down but what what came out of it was a larger issue which is the media silencing anyone who either questioned the vaccine or spoke any type of truth um that they don't want to get out and so um i think that's where a lot of uh what am I, I'm going to say liberals, not liberals, of uh, uh, conservatives came in. I think a lot of the conservative crowd came in when she began to talk about, wait a minute, is this even America anymore? Um, she did this live stream where she talked about how, well, you know, being raised in um, Trinidad, her either someone, either her mother or grandparents or someone told her to be grateful that, which, you know, in America, she could go to church openly because in certain places you couldn't do that and so she she kind of spoke to a larger issue but of course the media just kept honing in on the cousin's friend and it's just making the whole thing crazy but she she spoke as the kids say facts um about being silenced and and we see that happening i mean of, of course these are principalities at work that are trying to suppress the truth and um so i definitely agree with her sentiment on that i don't agree with a lot of things uh the Nicki Minaj is involved in, including how she responded to some certain things, of course, her language and all of that in dealing with it. But the the basic point she made about being silenced for asking questions um, or for even, you know, possibly not wanting to go along with the get along gang um, and being uh, canceled because of that. Um, so I, I agree with her there. I, I definitely I, I don't want to say I had her back, but. I, I told, but when I saw that Tucker Carlson spoke about her, spoke about her in his segment, and then she tweeted the segment, and that's okay. You know, liberals were like, "Wow, you know, trigger," you know. So, yeah. but everything just kind of went crazy, and I was like, "I need a break." Like the internet is wild, yeah, yeah. so I just took it. It's wild. Break. Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying, and I, th- I think with you know Nicki Minaj, like you know, sometimes like celebrities, and you know, it's just. It's hard to tell, are there, is this just an act? Are you just, is this, you know, is this a play or is this genuine? And, you know, like, like the, the, the tone that she had, the disposition that she had was like, like, it, like it's scary. You know, people are afraid to say anything for being silenced or what's, and, you know, at first I thought, like, I remember when I was listening to a clip of that, I think I was, I was, uh, I was listening to either Matt Walsh or, or Michael Knowles and they played a clip and I'm hearing, you know, Nicki Minaj's voice and, 
And it's, it sounds kind of dramatic, kind of emotional talking about like, she, you know, she can't like she's shocked. She's shocked. You know, they're trying to suppress people. You can't even ask a question. You can't even take a little time. You can't disagree or anything. And she sounds so shocked. And I'm thinking she's just playing for the cameras. This is just a celebrity. And then it hit me. I thought, oh, wait, um, raging, immoral, sexual revolution, pushing liberals this is their first time that they've experienced what we as conservative Christians have been experiencing for years. So she probably actually, I don't think she was acting. I think Nicki Minaj probably was shocked. It's the first time she woke up to the reality that, 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 that her, her team, cause it is still her team, but her team that she's been promoting by her licentiousness, by her immorality, by all these things that that team that she's been promoting and leading, all of a sudden she realized how heinous and how wicked, uh, how much of bullies they actually, and it's, and it's a powerful revelation. Everybody, we all have this at some point of our life um, because it's called, if nothing else, it's called conversion. Right. So, right. You were once Ephesians two, but you were, were like them at one point, you know, children of darkness and, you know, dead in your sins and trespasses. And so uh, we all have that moment where, where God wakes us up. And I'm not saying Nicki Minaj, I'm not saying this was a conversion, but I'm just saying we all have that moment for the Christian, at least where we wake up and we realize because um, because we thought, see, nobody is sitting in a corner. Maybe, I don't know, maybe Dr. Fauci, but other than him, nobody's sitting in a corner. You know, even even, you know, Joe Biden, he's not sitting in a corner laughing maniacally. He's sitting in a corner watching Matlock. But but, you know, nobody is is just sitting in a corner ha, 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 because nobody ever thinks they're the bad guy. That's not right. So we grow up watching Disney movies and all this kind of, and everything's so black and white and plain. You can tell who the bad guy is because he has, you know, he has a, a red face and funny horns and, and, you know, but in real life, everybody thinks they're on the right side of history. Everybody thinks they're moral. Everyone thinks they're the good guy. And, and so when you, when God opens your eyes and you have that revelation of, oh my goodness, like I'm the bully. Right. Like, I don't know if you saw this. So on Netflix, I watch, you know, and I'm, I'm not endorsing Netflix. And I honestly, I feel guilty every time I pay for it. And so all my listeners who are judging me right now, I, I will probably eventually cancel my Netflix prescription, um, you know, subscription. Pray, pray for me. But, I, you know, I, one show that I really did like that I watched on it was the, you know, the um, the karate show from the karate kid that they remade uh, Cobra Kai. And and basically it's like the the thing that was so eye opening and everybody's like oh my gosh you're right is they they took they took you know the two main characters from the movies and and now it's like 30 years later and they're showing it from from the viewpoint from the perspective of of the guy who in the original movies was the bully um, that he was bullying uh, Daniel's son. Daniel's son, you know, was the hero and the good guy. And he just wanted to do what was right. And there was this horrible bully that was always picking on him. And now you're seeing it. He's all grown up. His life is a wreck. And you're seeing it from his perspective, what happened. And, you, and, and, and they're doing it through this lens of, oh, maybe Daniel's son was actually the real bully. That, you know, maybe, maybe Danny was a real bully. And, and so I say all that to say, you know, and everyone's having this, whoa, that's, that's deep, you know, about the karate kid, you know, and, but, but in real life, in the land of the living and reality, that happens all the time that, that each of us, it's, it's called being humbled. It's called being humbled that each of us, we, we come to recognize I've been playing for the wrong team. I, I've been, you know, talking about the bullies, the fascists, you know, the, these conservatives, these, and then all of a sudden I realize I'm the bully. 
I'm the one who is, who is forcibly, you know, uh, uh, putting a mask on a two-year-old on a plane as he's screaming and crying and gasping for air. I'm the one saying that fathers have, uh, can't feed their kids and have to lose their job if they won't get um, them and their wife and, you know, injected with something that, that really, you know, uh, the verdict's still out. And, and so all of a sudden, everybody has kind of that moment. And I think for Nicki Minaj, that was, that was her moment. And I think she was truly shocked because I think it might be the first moment she's had where she yeah. realized... I've been playing on the wrong team. I was praying for her because I was like, wow, look, I saw a lot of conservatives go, oh, yeah, we just watched Nicki Minaj get red pilled, right? You know, in, you know, (laughs) in real time. And I'm thinking like, what if she was actually being converted? Like, how much more amazing would it have been if she was being converted to Christ? You know what I mean? So I do pray that, you know, again, just like a lot of um, black folks, whether they're African-American or from another country and came to America, a lot of us have some type of experience with the church or with the body. Some, I'm not saying it's correct. And a lot, you know, a lot of times it's not, but um, there's something there. There's a, there's a seed there. And I just pray that the Lord will water that. And um, amen. Amen. God, God save Nicki Minaj. Yeah, Amen. Yeah. That would be beautiful. That'd be wonderful. Yeah. All right. Yeah. La- last question. Cause I know we've been going long, but I, <laughs> I think it's a good conversation. I hope our listeners are, are blessed by it. And, and any of your followers who tune into it. Uh, but the last question that I, I, I just want to hear your, your thoughts on, what do you think about Christians from a Christian ethical standpoint using a fake vaccine? What do you think about that? <laughs> Uh, you mean like the passport vaccine pass? I mean, uh, not passport. Yeah, a uh, uh, fake vaccine yeah. passport. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> you know, I I joked about it once. I was, you know, when they were when I was discerning, I was like, yeah, they're gonna start making us get these vaccine cards and all this stuff. I was like, all right, who's gonna be doing? You know, but I honestly, I think we should stay away from them for sure. Um, I I think there's there's a lot of reasons. I mean, of course, it's not ethical. Um, and and that's of course because two wrongs don't make a right, as they say. We know that what they're doing is wrong, but we have to look at ultimately our need to, um, I, I guess, respectfully, civilly submit to our government. And if we, we if we're going to deny um, getting vaccinated, then we just deny getting vaccinated. And that's it. And stand in it and trust the Lord in it. I don't think we need to, you know, uh, I, I, I think it undermines your purpose for getting for for rejecting or refusing the vaccine only to turn around and get the vaccine card. It, it just it's just weird to me. But one thing is that, I mean, I think we already know that we talked about Satan and how he has a hold on people who are unbelievers. Ultimately, we know that he's already after us. He's, you know, he's prowling around like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. So we don't want to put ourselves in a position that gives him any validity or any, um, we just don't want to give him that room to actually say that he had just cause to arrest us or penalize us in any way because we had a fake vaccine they, a vaccine card they told they're telling people at the outset that this is a federal offense so just leave it alone that's number one um the second thing i think about it is that if we're gonna disobey authorities it has to be because we are trying to obey god and i don't see how having a fake vaccine passport helps us obey god like it helps us get to get into a restaurant uh, go to the gym, you know, for those who may want to go to a, a bar or something, go to the bar or get on a plane or, or travel to certain countries or whatnot. But, you know, and I understand that people are saying, people may say, well, what about churches that are required? Well, first of all, if your church is requiring a vaccine card to get in, then they're automatically out of order. So let's just, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. But, um, and then I'm just looking at fake vaccine cards, it's basically us acknowledging that we still are clinging to the world. 
Um, we want to still do what the world is doing. We still, we, we're envying the world. And so we would be willing to lie or cheat or steal in order to do that. And I just think that undermines our witness. And so um, I don't know. And it's just also that human ingenuity and not the wisdom of God that would cause someone to get into that. So I just think that that would be something we need to steer clear of. If we're going to suffer for Christ's sake, then we need to suffer well. And we need to trust the Lord to deliver us. I mean, when when Paul and, you know, um, when they were all arrested and everything, they, you know, they weren't going in and knocking out guards and all of that. Yeah, I, I just the Lord provided opportunities for them. The Lord. And, and I guess that's my ultimate point. The Lord will give us opportunities to move around this thing. One, one thing I noticed that was really interesting the other day, I was looking at footage of a fight outside of a New York restaurant, Carmine's, I think it is. And then Black Lives Matter got involved and talked about how the restaurant was racist because the waitress checked vaccine cards and one of the cards oh, yeah. or something like that. And then so That's now right. you're seeing these two things again, what we talked about earlier about how the ideologies are starting to kind of converge and they're 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 opposing each other and i noticed i I, it clicked i was like the lord tells us that he will fight for us we need only be still and i'm like you know what the the world is gonna put things in play that will ultimately benefit us they may not realize it but because the lord we are the lords and and he's our refuge and he's protecting us they are you know the the they're 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 after each other they're they the judgment against them is that they're fighting each other. And then as they fight one another, for example, say Black Lives Matter, they protest the restaurant for being racist. And so the restaurant decides, you know what, I'm not going to implement this. And for fear of being called racist, all the restaurants in New York say, you know what, I'm not going to implement this vaccine passport. And then ultimately the city lifts the requirement. And then the next thing you know, so that could, it could work out that way. I think that's what I'm trying to say. But my point is, the I don't see the the need to do that because we just need to check our motives. Like exactly why do we want a fake <laughs> vaccine card? Like, is it right. to, That's good. to worship God? And if so, and what, I can't think of any way that a fake vaccine card would help us worship. You know what I mean? Right. I just don't, I don't know. That's it. a really good point. I need so to you, clear of it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's it. I was just saying, I, I just think we need to stay, stay away from that. You know, I know it can be yeah. tempting, you know, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, yeah, I think, so I think you made some really good points. Number one, you're saying first thing you should do is if you're, if you're think even considering it first, it's what, what do you, what do you want to do this for? So if you want to get into a restaurant, that's, that's just kind of dumb. That's uh right. That, that's just this, this personal comfort and pleasure and convenience and all those kinds of things. Uh, if you want to get a vaccine card to worship the Lord, then, then, um, then email me at joel at the res- uh, right response ministries uh, dot com and I will talk to you about finding a new church um, because you, you just need to leave um, the only the, so the only pushback that I would give is just um, you know it's like we're only not submitting to government you said we're only not submitting to government um, when when it would compromise us um, in obedience to God and the only example that I can think of is just a father in terms of provision. Like there is a commandment for a father to provide, but I still agree with you in the sense that, you know, if everybody just fakes the vaccine card, um, how is that loving our neighbor? Because that's still the promulgation of bearing false witness. Uh, that's, you know, so, cause I, I love John Knox. And so, you know, uh, John Knox, the Scottish reformer, you know, he said that, you know, um, resistance to tyranny is obedience to God. 
But getting a, va- a fake vaccine card is not actually resistance. Exactly. It's, it's it compliant. Actually validates them. It actually validates them. It's saying it that validates these, them. Are, these, are, these are your rules. And so we are going to play by your rules in this way. It's, it's like a weird, it just in a weird way, it validates their requirement. And I just think it's like, no, we're, if you're not going to get it, you need to be ready, stand in whatever it is you're going to do. If, if they say you're going to lose your job, I actually just had that experience. Um, I got a call on Monday. I went to, <coughs> excuse me, I went to um, the office for my, I teach, but it's like a contract kind of thing. So I went to the office to get some supplies for my, my classroom. And when I'm in the, in my car, just getting myself situated, I get a call from the owner of the company and she goes, Hey, um, not sure if you heard, but the mayor is going to make an announcement soon that um, you have to have, um, you have to be fully vaccinated um, by November 1st, or you won't be able to, um, or you won't be able to go into the classroom. And basically that means that I will basically lose my job. And um, it's funny in that moment, I mean, you know, I had just gotten engaged and, you know, my fiance and I are not that far into planning the wedding just yet. It's all new, but we know that that's something that we got to do. And so I'm like, oh man, this is going to like, totally mess up my wedding plans. And, but I said, you know what, you know, I understand if that's, if that's something that has to be done, I get it. Cause, cause I'm not getting vaccinated. You know, I didn't say it in the, with, you know, in a rude way, but my point was just like, this is, I'm not doing this. So um, there has to be a workaround and by God's grace, Oh God is so good. I went back because my, my boss, unfortunately had just gotten the information from someone else. And she was just trying to give me a heads up. And, um, I don't think she had a chance to read the order yet. And I don't think the order was even out yet. I don't know, but I went back and I read the order and then they said, but if you have a religious or medical exemption, you can test out. And I was like, praise the Lord, you know? So there's a, there's, there's an accommodation, of course, by law, they should provide that accommodation. But the reality is a lot of places are not offering those for some reason. They're not honoring those accommodations. I don't know. Everyone's just lost their minds and, the constitution doesn't even matter anymore. I don't even know, but I was telling people about what in 2017, I said, persecution is coming to America. And ultimately if people would pervert when they found a way to make abortion constitutional and same sex marriage constitutional, a constitutionally protected, right. I was like, you know what they can do <laughs> if they would pervert God's word. Cause they do it every day or the world does. And, they will pervert the God's word and just say that a man is a woman and a woman is a man. What is the constitution? Like in their, in their eyes, like why, why if they would pervert God's word, who, why do they care about what the founding fathers of America, but for some reason there are, there are a lot of um, evangelical Christians, you know, patriotic Christians who really like put all this faith in the constitution. And I'm not saying that we should not, speak up for what's right and, and what our laws um, say and what the true intent of them. I'm not saying that, but at some point we really have to figure out like, are we going to trust the Lord or are we trusting in something that man put into place? And when they pervert this document so, so much that we no longer have the right to free speech and, and, and what else are, what do we do then? Are we just going to wage war on them? Or are we going to, or are we, as far as physical, physically speaking, or are we going to wage war spiritually and pray and seek the Lord and, and rely on one another as a church? Like, I, I, I just question those kinds of things. I, I would be okay God with both. 
<laughs> I, 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 I personally, but, I don't know if I would be out there, you know. You don't have, you don't have to agree. I, I, I would, though. I, would, I think, you know, but, but you're, you're absolutely right. I like what the point that you made that if they're willing to, we should not be surprised is what you're saying. That we shouldn't be surprised that, that the world who, John chapter 8, you know, children of the devil who are going to pervert the word yeah. of God. Mm-hmm. And then we're shocked when they don't honor the Constitution. <laughs> why are we? Why are we shocked? Yeah. So you, that's a really good point. Yeah, Joe really Biden. Good point. Was, you told us he doesn't care. He made he made it very clear. Oh, this yep. guy. Oh, he made it very guy. clear. Pray for you with that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so any, great, great response. I, I I like what you're saying. I, I for me, I think the thing that was you know. Uh, you know, I've thought about it some, but just hearing you say it again was was good for me. Just to think, you know, one of the points you made that I thought was 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 my favorite was just that we're, we're missing. If we really do think that we need to take a stand here, we're missing our opportunity to resist. Um, if we're getting a, fac, a fake vaccine card, if we're if that's actually that's actually being complicit, that's not actually resisting. I think that that's really helpful. I personally think that there are maybe some instances I won't go into it. I'm not going to bore you, but I do think that there are some instances. I got a friend who he's, he's already, he's already got his fake vaccine card guy. So if you need a guy, if you need a guy, um, so I do, I do actually think that, you know, a biblical argument could be made, but I think it's few and far between. And I think the, the ideal is, um, that, you know, like that, that would be on, on a, on a list of steps. That would be like step 14. And I think there is a step 14. I think it's rare, but I think it, it exists. Um, think about, even for the Christian, about, I think about, but I think the first Rahab, is take a stand. Rahab hiding the, Rahab hiding spies maybe. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Rahab, yeah. And the, yeah, I can, I the, he, the, the, the Egyptian midwives, right? The uh-huh. Hebrew women, man, they just, yeah. they give birth too quickly. No, they didn't. You were there. But, but, but what does it say? The but, Egyptian midwives, it says they feared God. Yeah. And they could, because they so knew they that it was a wrongful. Yeah. But see, yeah, so I, my, was protecting the spies who were um, doing a service to God or for God. And she acknowledged that. And so I think, again, it just goes back to what is your what is your purpose? What are you trying to get done? What are you trying to do? And yeah. it, here's the thing. It's like and this is what's been so hard for the last 18 months is like, all right, we got to know the scripture. You got to know the scripture. Um, but in order to to use the scripture scripturally, mm-hmm. um, you have to you have to also know. Uh, you need to have a good anthropology with the scripture gives you that, but, but you need to, you need to know what's going on. So like, so with all the COVID stuff, it's like part of what's been so hard for me as a pastor is I realized like, okay, I, I know the Bible and, and I always want to be growing in my knowledge of the Bible. But then all of a sudden I felt like I, but I now all of a sudden I need to be an epidemiologist and I need to know all the stats about COVID and, and I need to know all, all this. I need to have like be, you know, a professional in constitutional theory and, you know, and constitutional law. Cause I need, so I need to know the constitution. Now, now this, I should have known more of, and, and I, I was convicted over the last 18 months. I should have known more about our nation, our history, our laws, the constitution. And so I've been playing catch up for 18 months and by God's grace, I've grown and understand the constitution. But even with this second piece, COVID, um, my, my point is this. So the, the, the Egyptian midwives, you know, uh, are they're lying. Um, but, but it's because it's, it's um it, the Bible condones and says out of a fear of God, so it's a righteous lie. It's the, it's the lie of necessity. There's a whole doctrine on that. Uh, R.C. Sproul talks about it a little bit. That, you know the lie of necessity. But the point is, um, what makes it a lie of necessity and what makes it fear for uh, of God is it is it the lives that these babies are at risk. And so that's where you got to know that second piece, the stats with COVID, uh, but not just with COVID, but um, but with the vaccine. 
So, so what I would say is if there is a Christian who in, in their, in their conscience, like they, they've been researching the vaccine and protein spikes and, you know, and altering DNA and, you know, cause these aren't your, your average vaccines. There, there's some, some new stuff with it. And if they're looking into the vaccines and they're looking into the risk and all these kind of things, um, and, and, and they've determined, I, th- I think that for me and my family, let's say they have a teenager, th- you know, 13 year old, and they're saying, all right, the, the data is if my 13 year old gets COVID, um, they're fine. But, but if they get this vaccine, the vaccine is actually, you know, 3.7 times more dangerous that there'd be a serious alterca- altercation with the vaccine than if they got COVID. So I actually, as a father, I, I have a responsibility over my wife and my children uh, to protect their physical safety. And I need to make wise decisions. And, you know, so anyway, so my point is if they start mandating, you know, 13 year old mandated has to get a vaccine to go to school, which that's kind of coming down the line. Um, as a father, I might say, well, first I wouldn't, I wouldn't send my kid to public school, but, but you know, let's, let's just, let's just say, you know, it gets mandated. Um, then, then that would be one of those instances where I would first resist. And if, if I couldn't resist successfully, that might be an instance where, where I would be like, all right, I've gone through all these steps. I've yeah. tried to honor, I've tried to do this. Yeah. And now I think I'm at, at in a Rahab situation. I'm going to, I'm going to call my friend's vaccine card guy. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's one of those things with like, so. what help me obey God? Like rather than men. Like, I think it's like, right. I, think, I think if I phrase it that way, it makes, it helps me better reconcile what I'm doing because I don't think there's a such thing as wrongdoing unless the wrongdoing ultimately causes you to sin against God, if that makes any sense. Amen. You know what I mean? Amen. So like, yeah. like you, you talked about the Egyptian um, women when, who was it? Pharaoh's like, Oh yeah. Kill all the, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, yeah, of course, that's going to cause me to disobey God. So I can't obey you. So I wouldn't necessarily, I would not phrase that as a lie. I think a, I just, I, for me, <laughs> just to make myself feel better. No, I, no you're I right. You're right. Keep, it as keep a going. Lie. If it has caused me to sin against God, if it's just like, Oh, this, random human being called asked me to do something that is totally in, immoral and in order for me to get around that I got to do this you know that I undergot then like for example with underground churches or or, or attending church even as they exactly say, you know because I, I was all about that last, like I'm, I still am last summer I'm like so nobody cares what they're talking about let's go let's go to church like what do you mean because I feel like the Lord will honor honor that because we're ultimately going to honor him to 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 um, to obey a command that he like he explicitly gave, in, at least in Hebrews, like we have to gather. And so I, tr- I trust that the Lord will protect us. And even just like with, with I don't know, with Daniel, I think it was his, um, I think it was Shadrach, Meshach, yeah, and Abednego. Was and even, like, if and even if he doesn't. Even if he doesn't, right? Even right. if he doesn't. And, and same thing with COVID. Like I, I spoke earlier about like, you know, you know, the disease is not that serious for most people that I trust my immune system. But even if when I got it, it led to my death. I was, I mean, I don't, I don't have a death wish or anything like that. I'm not, you know, morbid, you know, I don't have that kind of, but, but I understand that the Lord is sovereign and my days are my last day on earth is what it's going to be. There's nothing that I can do. I'm not saying to be reckless because at that point you're testing the Lord, but I trust God in that whatever it's my time to to go out of here, it's my time to go out of here. So I can't live in you know, I can't live in fear. I think there's a, there's a place for taking reasonable precautions for things, you know, wash your hands, you know, um, if, if I'm not even really big on the whole social distance thing, I was telling people, if you're okay with me, giving you a hug, I'll give you a hug. I mean, how do we give a holy kiss 
and it says it over and over and over. Yeah. the holy kiss you got to do I, mean, I got to be near you you know so mm-hmm. i but you know washing mm-hmm. your hands and whatever else whatever i'm cool with that but it, from the very beginning i'm just like this thing is something that doesn't sound like it's much that we can do to control it so why not just continue to live trust the lord and, and right. if you know like to say if i die i die i don't want to say it like that, yeah. but, no but, no i know what you're, yeah, yeah I, amen god is sovereign and and, and yeah. the funny thing about COVID is that last year they were scaring us half to death um around the holidays i feel like they're going to do it again this year and i'm from mm. atlanta and i you know up until the top of the year i was single and i live alone i had a had a dog and I'm in this house for months on end alone because churches aren't meeting. No one really, you know, wants to come over out of feet, you know? So I'm just like, <sighs> so I went home. I'm, I'm thank God. God, I feel like when the Lord talks about giving us a way of escape, I see these little graces that he gives us. When you had Gavin Newsom with his French laundry situation right, and then yeah. you had the mayor of Chicago with her little going to some kind of, I don't know, rally. And then the our, barber. Yeah. Our own mayor and uh, Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nancy Pelosi going to get her hair done. Like they kept doing. They were. I was like, rules for thee, but oh no, no. I'm going home, and I'm so glad I did it because I didn't get COVID until like very recently, like very recently. I'm. I mean, I'm not really? well, good ways out at this point. But imagine if I didn't go home and visit my family for Thanksgiving and Christmas, and because I'm fearing something whatever I, I just thought about that so we just have to live our lives i think there's a way to do it with wisdom um and i don't think it's reckless I, my, my i always tell people i don't think it's reckless and i don't think it's sin of course not to trust god and mm-hmm. so if that means i'm going to church and you can spread the virus i can spread it at walmart dear you know that's right so and walmart right. is wide open so i just feel that's like right. you know we I, I i i was i actually had a moment where i was very much dejected and i was probably bitter with a lot of believers um, after last, the response that a lot of people gave after last year. But I'm so grateful to God that I've seen, um, and it, this doesn't mean that I've not had to grow as well, but I'm so grateful to see that so many people have figured it out. Like, oh yeah, this is, you know, not necessarily You're the right. virus is a farce, but even though it might've been, <coughs> mm-hmm. talked it in the lab, there was research, funny, right. you know, right. but... <laughs> But whatever, Definitely. whatever yeah. it is, they're 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 using this. They're taking every opportunity to some, you know, push the world into submission. And you know, the next thing is going to be. I read something earlier about climate change. I think Al Gore came out right. with something recently about climate change and how we need to make take drastic and 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 rapid action. I'm like, oh, they're going to try to shut down the world again, Lord. So mm-hmm. I just pray that um the, the saints that the church overall is just ready for what's coming and that we will be faithful that we will stand strong and that we will suffer well, because I don't see, I think we'll have little moments of like, or I want to say reprieve, but definitely moments where it won't be as hostile, but I, I don't see things getting, but I don't think things are going back to normal, to be honest. I don't mm-hmm. see that. Um, I, it, it would be great yeah. if I, I would love to be wrong about this. I trust me. I'm, I mean, like I'm getting married soon. So I would love. Right for things to be back to normal, but I don't, I don't see it. So, but I trust that God would allow us. To I have, understand. Yeah. I trust that God would have allow us yeah. to have joy and peace, even in the midst of it though. And I do pray that we have that. So, yeah. Amen. I'm, I'm in the, the post mill camp. So I, I do think things are going to get better, but here's the thing about post mills. We think that things are going to get better, but it could be 40,000 years. So, so I don't, you know, I believe that I believe the church is militant and triumphant and is only increasing and only growing. And, 
But just like stocks, you know, it, it's not always this gradual incline. Right. There are dips along the way. Yeah. But nothing in post-mill theology, you know, and that, and that eschatology says that America is going to make it. Just the, the church is going, you know, I will right. build my church in the gates of hell. But right. it may be God may see fit in his, in his providence and his sovereignty and wisdom and love. He may see fit that what is everything he does is for his glory and for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. God may know that in his sovereignty that what is for our good, the good of the church, is for America to eventually implode or to have a civil war. I would argue that right now we are in, you know, like the cold war between yeah. America and Russia. I would say yeah. we are in a cold civil war yeah, yeah, right yeah. now. Yeah. And, and that may turn into an actual civil yeah. war in America. Yeah. And, uh, in which case I'm really glad that I moved from California to Texas. Oh, so I, I feel like I, I'll be, I'll be safer, you know, but you're right. The point is we don't know what's going to happen circumstantially. Right. Um, the secret things belong to the Lord, yeah, right? His sovereign will, his providence. But those things which he has revealed belong to us and our children mm -hmm. forever. And what we know is that we win. And even if you're pre-mill, you know, I know Daryl and Virgil, you know, like, you know, even if you're pre-mill, we still, both both of us, post-mill, pre-mill, all-mill, we all believe that we win. We just, right. we differ on how, yeah. how we yeah. win, how we win, you know, exactly. <laughs> You know, I, I always say the pre-mill says that, uh, that we win because Christ wins and Christ wins despite the church. And I say the post-mill says we win because Christ wins and Christ wins with the church. And the church is the battering ram that he uses to ram up against the gates of hell. That's my opinion. But either way, we all believe that we're going to win because Christ is victorious. And uh, you're right. We need, to, we need to be bold. We need to be courageous. We need to resist wherever, wherever it's required to love God and to love our neighbor. Uh, but we also need, I like what you said, we need to learn to suffer well. And I think right now that's good for us to hear because I think a lot of Christians, we went from being scared, a bunch of people got pruned, you know, but then, but then there's a remnant that's, and, and the remnant, I, I'm encouraged to see a, a growth in, you know, courage, growth and bravery, growth and all, all these things, this increase. But with that, sometimes can come arrogance, yeah. rebellion just for the sake of rebelling. And so I do think we need to remember that like, yeah. yes, we want to resist. Yes, we yeah. want to be strong, courageous. Yeah. Uh, but, but the blood of the martyrs is the seedbed of the church. One, one of the ways that we win at times is by getting, getting the crap kicked out of us yeah. and, uh, yeah. and taking it well, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, yeah. But oh. everything, all that's fantastic. I'm so honored to have you on the show, Constance. It it's been my privilege. Yes. I hope you've enjoyed it. Yeah, I hope our listeners right. have enjoyed it. Can you, I'll give you the final word. Uh, tell our listeners how they can follow your ministry and keep up with what you're doing. Sure. Yeah. So um, they can follow me at, uh, I was going to say www, but I don't think you can say that anymore. It's not cool. At, <laughs> <I don't think laughs> at truthandfire.com. That's the blog. Um, you can also get the podcast there. Um, uh, the podcast is on Spotify, um, uh, app, was it Apple? Was it, was it iTunes, 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 iTunes yeah. I don't know. I get confused, but yeah, on one of those things. Um, uh, <laughs> but anyway, it's wherever you, you get your podcast is there. Um, and then as far as social media, I'm pretty much, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. I had a Facebook page, but, nah, nah, nah. but, um, on social media, I'm Verite et Feu, which means truth and fire in French. That's V E R I T E E T F E U. Um, and so, but I really would encourage everyone to follow me on truthandfire.com because that's where everything is being moved and where a lot of our, um, right. information will be coming from very soon. So, um, yeah, yeah. So thank you. Great. Well, thanks so much for coming on and God bless. Thank you so much. 
As a special thank you for your gift of any amount, we'll be happy to send you a free digital book from our store. To access this offer, visit rightresponseministries.com offer. We highly recommend Pastor Joel's book, Am I Truly Saved? If you or someone you know has wrestled with doubts about the love of God, this would be a great resource. As a reminder, to get this offer, go to rightresponseministries.com offer. And thank you for your generous support.